Hello and welcome to Episode 2, Weathering Coronavirus Updates and Hope, brought to you from a rather snowy Gunnison, Colorado today. Today is March the 19th. We have a snow event going on, which would be a ton of fun since it's spring break, except the ski area is closed, the restaurants are closed, businesses are closed, and everyone is encouraged not together socially. Hmm. Coronavirus. Not a lot of fun. Today we'll be talking about stimulus packages, long-range expectations for the coronavirus, We're going to be talking about how knowledge is power, so we're going to review symptoms and prevention, some best practices on how you can help to minimize and mitigate the coronavirus crisis. We will also be talking about managing fear and stress and end with some words of hope and encouragement. The goal of our show is not just to give you a daily update of what's happening, the developments with coronavirus, but also to offer some perspective and some hope, and some fun. So here we go. First, the stimulus. Increasing fears about the economic impact of coronavirus are motivating Congress and the President to action. The U.S. is taking unprecedented measures to stem the tide of COVID-19. In many sectors, business is being put on hold. The economic impacts will be real, and here is what the federal government is doing. Now, this is from Axios.com. It was just a nice summary of what has been done and what is being done to maintain the economy in these stressful times. Stimulus phase one was in late February, and President Trump asked Congress to provide $2.5 billion to fight the spread of the virus. But they later settled on not $2.5, but $8.3 billion, and this was signed into law on March 6th. That $8.3 billion is extra funding for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Food and Drug Administration, National Institutes of Health, the State Department, the Small Business Administration, and the United States Agency for International Development. It includes $4 billion to make more coronavirus tests available and $1 billion in loan subsidies for small businesses. So that was signed into law already on March the 6th. Stimulus Phase 2. This package was negotiated by the Treasury Secretary and was signed into law by Trump Wednesday night, just yesterday. While it's unclear exactly how much the bill will cost, the estimate is that it will cost roughly $100 billion. The measure provides for free coronavirus testing, including for the uninsured, two weeks of paid sick and family leave, increased federal funds for Medicaid and food security programs, increased unemployment insurance benefits. And then we have a stimulus phase three, and this is the big one. The Treasury Department released a $1 trillion relief proposal on Wednesday that would include some industry-specific bailouts and payments to individual taxpayers. So this proposal, if approved, would send money to every man, woman, and child in the United States to try to spur economic growth and recovery from the damage done by the coronavirus epidemic. So it would be two rounds of direct payments to taxpayers, one on April 6th and another one on May 18th. Each would cost about $250 billion to the federal budget. The amounts would be based on income level and family size. 
There's $300 billion in small business loans, $50 billion bailout for the airline industry, $150 billion to other industries, including hotels, casinos, cruise lines, shopping malls, things like that, and guaranteed money market mutual funds. I guess the economic theory here is that if people have money, they spend money, and if money is moving around in an economy, then the economy does well. It helps all businesses to make enough money to keep their employees, to avoid layoffs, etc., That would be stimulus phase three, not yet approved, but proposed. The federal government is doing things, huge things, to combat a possible economic downturn from the coronavirus. So here's another question. What can you do to help the economy? You know, this is just my opinion, but my opinion is be normal. Avoid hoarding. Consider giving to others in need rather than taking. Don't overspend on things you are unlikely to need. Share. Allow investments to stay parked for the long haul. And shoot, if you have the means, buy low. Why not support the economy by investing while investments cost less? You know, the other day I saw a pickup that was loaded with groceries. And when I say loaded, I mean loaded The pickup bed was full to the rim. It must have been five, six, seven grocery carts full, and the pickup was scooting out of town at a high rate of speed. Maybe that person had some extraordinary circumstances and that many groceries were necessary, but my gut feeling said I was seeing someone that was acting out of fear, and if everyone tried to do that, then it would cause a lot of harm. So people, let's be normal. Let's be reasonable. The supply chains aren't broken. Food is still coming. Even toilet paper will make its way back around again. I'm not sure why people are hoarding toilet paper at a time like this. But regardless, I I think we're not going to have to worry about shortages. We just need to be reasonable. Another announcement. How long is the coronavirus going to last? How long is this pandemic going to last before it's under control? No one really knows. Some people are estimating that it, you know, it may be just a couple of three months. Some people are estimating it could be longer than that, and there are all sorts of hopes that it could be much shorter than that. Frankly, this social distancing experiment that is being done in the United States and worldwide is going to change the outcome enormously. And so it's kind of unprecedented. We don't really know what to expect, but per CNN.com, the U.S. government is preparing for up to 18 months. Now, that doesn't mean they actually expect the crisis to be large for 18 months, but they need to be prepared for a worst-case scenario, and 18 months is what they're preparing for at this time. It's really hard to know. One thing we do know is that with proper social distancing, we can minimize the impacts, avoid overwhelming our medical facilities. We can keep people working, keep the economy moving forward, So that is the goal. Let's make it work. I've been saying knowledge is power, and ignorance breeds a lot of fear and speculation, which does no good for anybody at a time like this. So I wanted to share some things that you probably already know, but if you haven't heard this yet, it's important that you do know. Knowledge is power. What are the symptoms of COVID-19? What are the symptoms of the coronavirus? Well, it's pretty much like a cold. You're going to have a fever, tiredness, dry cough, and that's from the World Health Organization. Other symptoms besides those top three include aches and pains, nasal congestion, runny nose, sore throat, maybe diarrhea. 
The Center of Disease Control offers these symptoms, fever, cough, and shortness of breath. Now you notice they both have fever and cough, but one is talking about tiredness and another is talking about shortness of breath. Um, Shortness of breath is kind of the big one. If you get too extreme of shortness of breath, that's when you need to make sure that you're contacting medical people and seeing what steps should be taken. You may need help at that point. Uh, Also, found on health.harvard.edu from the World Health Organization, based on observations, not, not scientific studies, no clinical studies, but based on observations, the World Health Organization is recommending that you do not use ibuprofen with this illness. There are some indications that the ibuprofen could lead to increased lung distress for some reason. So they're just saying don't use ibuprofen. They recommend acetaminophen to manage temperatures and things like that. Now, how long does the virus survive on surfaces? This is a question that people have been wondering about, and it matters, right? How long does it take before the virus is gone if someone has sneezed on the tabletop, right? Well, first of all, the tabletop should be sterilized. We all know this. But surface survival for the COVID-19 virus. This is from health.harvard.edu. It lasts up to four hours on copper, 24 hours on cardboard, and two to three days on stainless steel. I don't know for sure why the different substances act different ways. Bottom line is, clean up stuff, right? It's It's gonna last a while, so we have to keep it clean. So what can we do to help prevent the spread of the disease? Well, we've already talked on yesterday's show about social distancing and how that works. At first, I was a real skeptic, but as I looked at the the way that it's supposed to work out, I became a supporter. Social distancing is an important thing for us to be doing right now. The following recommendations for prevention are from myoclinic.org. Number one, avoid large events and mass gatherings. Avoid close contact with people, and they're saying about six feet. And I think the theory here is that if you cough or sneeze, then you don't want to be coughed or sneezed on. So that's the six-foot rule. But they're saying also just keep distance between yourself and others, uh, especially if COVID-19 is spreading in your community. And as we're going to find out from the numbers a little bit later in the show today, the virus is pretty much everywhere in the United States now. Uh, Next recommendation is to wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds or use an alcohol-based sanitizer that contains at least 60% alcohol. We've heard this for years and years and years with flu prevention. Same thing stands for COVID-19. Cover your mouth and nose with your elbow or a tissue when you cough or sneeze and throw the used tissue away. The main thing is don't cough into the open air towards people. People. (laughs) Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth if your hands aren't clean. Okay, I'm going to interject here. If you are out and about, you don't know if your hands are clean or not. So just don't touch your face, okay? Avoid sharing dishes, glasses, bedding, and other household items if you're sick. I think that kind of goes without saying, but if you know that someone is exhibiting symptoms, then don't share these things. Clean and disinfect surfaces you often touch on a daily basis. Uh, Just a little tip here. I like to get a spray bottle with rubbing alcohol And I like to spray doorknobs and cabinet knobs and things like that. If there is a towel that people use to dry their hands, then you might want to consider a pile of washcloths for single use until this passes, right? Don't reuse the same towels over and over again. And then use sanitizers to keep all your surfaces clean. Stay home from work, school, and public areas if you're sick, unless you're going to get medical care. Avoid taking public transportation if you're sick. Well, that just makes sense. If you have symptoms, don't expose others to the symptoms. 
I have read several sources that are saying that 80% of the cases are mild, that it's not much worse than the common cold. It's the 20% we have to worry about. So if you're healthy and strong and you have even mild symptoms, then just stay away from other people. Don't spread it because what you may be doing is causing a lot of distress for someone who's not as healthy as you are. So please think about others. Now let's go to the numbers. This is from worldometers.info on coronavirus. The numbers right now are 231,000. That's 230,000 cases worldwide. We've had 9,000, roughly 400 deaths. So 9,400 deaths. And the number that I want to see grow bigger and bigger and bigger are those that have recovered. 86,261 recovered. Let's put this into perspective a little bit. If the world has 230,000 cases and there are 7.7 billion people on the planet, then that means that there are three people sick out of every 10,000. Think about that for a minute. Three people have coronavirus out of every mm, small town population. So while that means that there are plenty of cases around the world, it actually is still a pretty low number right now. Three out of every 10,000. This uh, number is going to get worse before it gets better, but it's not the huge everyone is sick epidemic that, you know, some people might be thinking it is. I just want to put a little perspective on that. There have been 9,400 deaths from COVID-19 so far, and while that makes us sad, we don't want those deaths to happen, there have been 12.6 million deaths on planet Earth this year so far. That's not from the virus. 12.6 million normal deaths this year, and only 9,400 of them are from COVID-19. You know, a lot of people live on this planet, and if 230,000 of them are sick, that's not a big number compared to the number of people that are here. We just want to keep that number small. Now, all 50 states now have recorded cases. All 50 United States have recorded cases. You know, not long ago, we had a couple of states that were holding out without any cases. Well, that's not the case anymore. Um, Worldwide, I'm not going to do all the world numbers right now, but maybe just uh, talk about new cases. China, 34 new cases since yesterday. So the spread of the disease in China has certainly slowed down. Iran is struggling. 1,046 new cases in the last 24 hours. Spain tops the charts at 2,600 new cases. Spain right now is really, really struggling with this. Germany, 2,154 new cases. The United States has seen an increase, 1,975 new cases. But as far as total cases go, we are still, let's see, number six in the world. And keep in mind, we are the third most populous nation on earth. So uh, not too bad for our population. I think that the measures that are being taken to slow down the spread of COVID-19 are working in the United States. However, I am a little bit concerned about a couple of states, which I'll get to here in a minute. There were only 11 new deaths in the United States in the last day. Now let's talk about some statewide numbers. In the United States, the worst state to be in right now is New York. I'm not sure what's going on in New York, but 1,120 of the new cases that were found in the last 24 hours 
we're in New York. So New York is struggling right now. If you're in New York, you might want to practice those social distancing measures a little bit more diligently. Um, Washington State, they're showing no new cases in Washington. And you may remember that Washington had a big outbreak. So this would be really good news if true. Hopefully they are reporting all the new cases. But regardless, that sounds really good. Uh, New Jersey's not doing that great with 315. My guess is that's probably akin to what's going on in New York or New York City. Colorado is showing no new cases. Colorado has 221 cases total. Colorado has taken some fairly aggressive social distancing stands, and certain counties in Colorado have been even more aggressive in uh, keeping people from meeting together. So those are just a handful of the states and what's going on. Um, the total new cases in the last 24 hours for the United States is 2,085. And I would like to see that number be zero. But like I said, it is anticipated these numbers are going to get worse before they get better. Actually, the crisis in the United States really is just starting. But by doing social distancing and keeping things clean, we can really limit the spread of this disease. I thought it might be fun to do a Gunnison update. You know, I'm in Gunnison, Colorado, and uh, I need to correct something that I said yesterday. Gunnison County, um, I uh, cited 7,700, I believe it was, people, and I, I was meaning to say Gunnison City, not Gunnison County. Gunnison County has 17,500-ish people in population. So, you know, it's a large county with a few people, but Gunnison County is taking some extraordinary measures to try to check the spread of this virus. And I'm using Gunnison County kind as a case study for what might be going on in communities across America and around the world. I would like to be able to say that social distancing measures in Gunnison County are being very effective, and I think they probably are. But the reason I said I would like to say that, a couple of days ago, we had 10 positive tests for COVID-19 here, and now there are 13, which is not a huge increase. 13 people it's not that many. However, it's a little bit early to see how well the social distancing is working. And the reason is because the incubation period for this virus is up to two weeks. So the social distancing has only been going on for part of one week. So really the, the true impacts of social distancing in this county and other places around the United States may not really be uh, well known for up to, you know, a week and a half from now. We can see if the spread of the illness slows down and how well it's slowing down. Yeah, it's a little bit early to say, but to go from 10 to 13 in a couple of days, actually, I think is fairly positive for our community. Those people were most likely exposed to the virus even before we knew that we had a virus here in Gunnison County. Something else interesting is that because of a shortage in test kits, you have to meet a lot of stringent criteria before you can be tested. So they're asking people that have symptoms to self-report rather than going in to be tested. Now you need to be tested if you've been in contact with someone that you know has had it or if you have worsening symptoms. You're supposed to call a hotline and then they'll screen you to see if you can be tested or not. But 13 positive tests, we have 9 negative tests and 50 pending tests, meaning 50 tests would have been done but we're waiting to hear what the outcomes are. Keep in mind, in communities and cities and states around the U.S. and even around the world, when the test results come in, we're going to see a spike in cases. 
And because they're, uh, they're just ramping up in processing all of these tests, it's going to look worse before it looks better just because we're getting more information. We're identifying new cases of COVID-19. So don't let that alarm you. It's going to happen. We know this. So over the next week or so, or even two weeks, the ramp up is going to look maybe a little bit artificially bad. In Gunnison County, we have identified 13 positive cases for COVID-19. However, we have 330 people who have self-reported symptoms. Now, some people might say that's hysteria, or maybe they have a common cold, or maybe they have a flu, or maybe they have some other form of bronchitis or something like that. We really don't know, but we do know that 330 people are self-reporting symptoms. So this kind of illustrates the reason why we should be using the social distancing. We only know of 13 cases, but 30 times that many people have symptoms and it could be COVID-19 and they could be spreading the illness to others. That's the reason why social distancing really matters if you are exhibiting symptoms at all. And also even if you're healthy, just to avoid picking up the illness from others. It's just common sense. Okay, so we've talked about numbers. We've talked about ways to identify if you may have the illness. We've talked about ways to avoid getting sick and spreading the disease. I think it's time that we take a moment and talk about some encouragement here. Where is the hope in these troubled times? You know, there are a lot of fears that are coming along with this virus. People tend to overreact. I guess that's human nature. But there are a lot of fears that can come. Fears about personal health. Fears about the health of loved ones. Concerns about potential loss of income. Or maybe even supply chain interruptions. Real or imagined, right? Large-scale economic concerns, and I think this may be a valid one. The large-scale economic concerns are probably the, that's probably going to be the biggest impact of this coronavirus. There are concerns about how long this virus is going to keep disrupting things. How long is this crisis going to last? And people are concerned about future plans. You know, did you have a trip planned? What about graduation ceremonies? What about, you know, all the things that you were looking forward to on the horizon now that you're not going to be able to do? Some people are getting germophobic, overreacting to the fear of germs to the point that it's creating a lot of anxiety. You definitely can be too scared of this virus. It's worth being careful, but I don't think it's worth being a germaphobe. It's just not healthy. We even have people out there that fear that this is the next zombie apocalypse. I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but some people look at this and say, this is going to be the trigger of the big one. Well, let's just not go there. Here's some advice on dealing with these fears. Number one, acknowledge it. Don't try to suppress your fear. It doesn't do any good. Acknowledge that it's there. And do that just by saying, hmm, I'm feeling stressed or fearful or anxious about, and label it, put a name on it. Then observe it. Wow, my body is feeling afraid. And I'm going to say something kind of funny here, but watch it from a distance. And the reason I say that is because we can get so caught up in our thoughts and our emotions and cycle up and spin up to a level of anxiety that is completely unnecessary. But we can also step back from the situation and we can watch it from a distance. That part of your mind, that part of your consciousness that can watch from a distance is, the, is very healthy. and can help you to moderate those extreme feelings. Now, rather than trying to stop the feelings, just note them. What I mean by that is that you can't tell yourself to stop being afraid. It doesn't work, right? Instead, just notice them. Say, oh, there's that fear. I feel fear in my body. 
Then, once you've done that, you can move your focus onto productive thoughts and actions. Start thinking about something useful. You've acknowledged the fear, you felt it, you watched it. Now, move on to productive thoughts and actions and focus on what is in your control rather than on what is not. It's a really good technique for getting through any crisis. There are some things that we can do, there are other things we can't do. Some things that we can contribute to, other things that we can't. So if you focus on what you can do, the positive actions that you can take right now, you will weather this much, much better. Last bit of advice for today, and this one's very important. Social distancing does not mean you have to stay home. Don't make that mistake. It doesn't mean you have to stay home. It means you should avoid crowds. But you can still take walks. You can take drives. You can take hikes or bike rides. The sunshine is great for you, for your body and your soul. So get out there and breathe some fresh air especially when you're feeling stressed. Personally, when I start to feel stressed, that's when I really need to get out. The more stressed, the more vigorous the activity needs to be. Sometimes I just need to go sit in the sunshine. Sometimes I need to take an extended walk. Sometimes I need to go mountain biking or on a solid run. Regardless, movement is healthy. Fresh air is healthy. The sunshine is encouraging. So don't hole up in your house. Get out there. Just don't slobber on anybody right? (laughs) Be active. Reach out to others from a practical distance. The day will soon come when we will all be hugging again. In the meantime, send an air hug to those you care about. I would like to end with a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. Nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, and difficulty. I have never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. Theodore Roosevelt. You know, we're going into challenging times, so that means that we might have to persevere, but in the end, it will make us stronger. My name is Kurt Linville, and this show is being produced by Caleb Linville. Remember, we do have a storm to weather, keeping apart, yet together.